there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. It's football week. It's game week. I have the entire Hale Varsity staff here with me. Greg Smith is to my right. Say hello. Hello. Jacob Padilla is to my left. Say hello. Hi. Aaron Sorensen is on a TV screen across from us. Say hello, Aaron. Hi. And hello. Brandon Vogel is also on the same television screen joining via Zoom. Brandon, say hello. Hello. How is everybody doing? Is everybody ready for the season, prepared for the season? Are you anxious about what you're going to see? Like, where are you guys at headspace-wise right now? I feel like I haven't made enough gifts for game day, so <laughs> that's my headspace right now is just how many gifts can I make in the next 48 hours? Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that we have to put our Tecmo gifts that we made a few years back officially to bed now with uh, all the players that we created them for. Moving on, J.D. Spielman was the last one, so I'm, I, I do not have any uh, celebration uh, gifts loaded on my computer anymore, so that's sad. But do we not have any Brody Belt gifts? Well, was he, he, he was not here when uh, we made those. Okay. No. I was going to say, Jacob, if you're lucky, maybe I'll update the Tecmo Bowl ones for – maybe I'll update them. We'll see. We'll see. Do we have yes. breaking news on the podcast right now? Are we going to get more Tecmo Bowl gifts? This would be breaking no. news. We'll just see how where my like mental health state is in the next forty eight hours because gifts <laughs> are oddly like one. satisfying to make. So, <laughs> never actually made Tecmo or played Tecmo Bowl before. Really, really. Brandon, how much football have you watched this week in anticipation of the season beginning? Uh, none, because these are not normal times, and we don't have the MAC on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, App State. Uh, plays a midweek game. I don't know if there's Friday game. Yeah, there's there's not enough football is, is my problem. So no, like, 2019 rewatches for you this week? No. Um, I, I wanted to watch the Ohio State game, but it seems like the Big Ten has done a good job of scrubbing fairly recent uh, Nebraska games from YouTube. So I watched the Indiana game, and I watched the Colorado game. Uh, yesterday so my headspace has been kind of excited but like i'm trying i'm still trying and this will probably come up once or twice on this podcast um like the mystery of what this team is going to look like has me looking back to last year to see what i can glean from them you watched two games that featured both good and the bad yeah, like I ran the, the game. Same time. Yeah, in in the same game even <laughs> we saw the same quarter we saw that yeah so we are here today to talk this is going to be like a season prediction podcast. This is going to be like a, a table setter for the 2020 season. Um, and everything that I've done is, has been based off of eight games. I know that they're, they're going to play a ninth one, but that's kind of like hanging in limbo because you don't know who it is. I don't know if we'll get to a bowl game or not. 
So I haven't really factored any of those in. We're going to do some over-unders later. I think I, base, I think I told you guys I based those off of eight games. I was thinking nine. I don't know if you actually specified that, and if you did, I missed it. Okay, well. Let's base it off eight. Okay. Um, some of the these numbers. Are, if these are eight-game numbers, I'm going to murder these oh, yeah. over-unders. <laughs> yes, <so>. seriously. <laughs> okay, fine. Do you want to do nine? No, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> for me. <laughs> some of the over-unders that we used, Brandon, were were – some of the prop bets that you gave me back in September. Do you remember, were those based off of nine games or eight games? Uh, I don't recall. Well, it would have been, would have been 10 games at that point. No, no, no. Cause this was, this was like after everything had been kind of set back up. It would have been the most recent, whatever, whatever the current data we had, uh, that, that sort of thing is very important to me. Okay. Well, we're going to do opening arguments. We're going to do a little bit of a, of a, of a Ohio state specific preview. We're going to get to over-unders, and then towards the end, I'm going to give you guys a chance to either shout out or call out something from this offseason that you're either pleased with or very ready to move on from. has to be Nebraska-related, though. Let's start with opening arguments. Nebraska will be successful in 2020, or it will not be successful in 2020 because of blank. Each of you guys is going to have two minutes to talk. I'm going to get my clock ready to go. I'm going to get my timer ready to go. I'm going to time you. You have to stay within two minutes. Who would like to go first? Does anybody want to volunteer? I'll go first, I guess. Okay. Jacob? Opening arguments. Nebraska will be successful in 2020 or it will not be successful in 2020 because of blank. Your two minutes start now. Offensively, I think it's going to come down to whether or not Nebraska can stay on schedule. And I think if they can do that, then that opens up a lot of different things. And it'll need a few different things to happen. Obviously, the offensive line is going to be, need to be as good as Matt Lubick and some of the coaches are, are talking uh, it up to be. Um, you're, they're going to have to protect the quarterback. They're going to have to uh, open up some running lanes for Dedrick Mills and those guys. Um, and then if you're staying on schedule there, if, if you're getting good gains on early downs, then you can get more into the offense that Scott Frost wants to run with the up-tempo, with the spreading things out, uh, with being able to take shots in certain places uh, without having to force it on third and long where you take it second short, you can take a shot here, maybe get a big play out of it. Um, and it'll come down to Adrian Martinez playing efficiently. And that's, that's going to be a big theme for this season is who is Adrian Martinez? How is he going to play? We, we obviously had the quarterback competition um, all off season, and Martinez is a guy for now. We'll see. Obviously, uh, Ross opened up the door to for that to continue being a discussion, and I'm sure it'll be fun uh, seeing Twitter during games, depending on how Martinez plays. But I, that, that's what it's going to come down to, is uh, being able to stay on schedule, not having to make so many like uh, desperation plays, not being in bad situations where you're forced into doing things. They've got to be able to run their whole playbook. They've got to be able to play like Frost wants to play. And I think that's going to come down to early down success rate and being, uh, being ahead of schedule. And then defensively, I think the, the, it'll come down to getting off the field on third downs. Um, they're going to give us some yards. They're going to give up some big plays in here. But they cannot constantly be um, giving up, uh, letting teams stay on the field. And it'll come down to the linebackers and coverage and kind of their schemes on third down. That was a big problem last year. So those are uh, the two main keys that I'm looking at. Kept it under two minutes. Nice. You do not have to use your full two-minute allotment, but you, you have to cut it off at two minutes. You're under two minutes. Good job. Do I have a volunteer for number two? 
I can go next because I can piggyback off of uh, what Jacob was saying with Adrian Martinez. Um, because I'll, I'll keep this part. What? Shocker. <laughs> you want to talk about Adrian? Shocker. I, I'm not, actually. I was using that as a launch pad into this. Uh, Nebraska will be successful in 2020 because of its offensive line. I think there's a ton of depth there. Um, I, I agree when Matt Lubick says it's probably the, you know, the best part of uh, that offense. If that offensive line can be as strong as we think that they can be, obviously there's there's some question marks, but it, it opens up your run game. I think that's going to be incredibly important, especially when we really don't know what's going on at receiver. Those tight ends are going to be important too, but I'll just leave it at that. I think Nebraska will be successful or will not be successful based on the offensive line. I'm, I'm going to tend to believe it will be more successful because of it, but if that offensive line is not as advertised, then it'll quickly go the other direction. I apologize for interrupting you. It's fine. You just, you, you thought it was going to be about the quarterbacks because everyone knows I'm a quarterback Stan, but look at that. It's actually about the positions around the quarterbacks, which the, which the coaches have said they all need to be better. Pull the old switcheroo. Greg, you want to go next? Switcheroo. I, I will go next. Right. Um, Two minutes on the clock begins now. Aaron stole my thunder to start off with about the offensive line, mm, um, mm, mm, mm. which is a really good mm, one. Mm, Jacob mm. mentioned it too. Um, so I, I'll pivot and say that Nebraska will be good on offense if the wide receivers improve from week to week. No idea what we're going to see from them in, what, a couple of days from as a time of recording. Don't know who's going to be going out there outside of Wandale Robinson. But if Matt Lubick is the upgrade that we're led to believe, then the position in the position has talent based on the recruiting profiles and just who's already here. Um, They should be able to improve week to week. And there's a trickle down effect, I think, from those guys playing well. And it's not just about like how much stats they put up, like it it completely changes what defenses can do or cannot do to Nebraska's offense. If those guys are actual threats out there, if you come out in a game this weekend against Ohio state and Ohio state feels like, Hey, we can single cover and press cover everybody and only have a single safety high and then load up the box. That's going to make it really difficult. Even if the offensive line is as good as a lot of people think it will. And I think it will be too. Um, Dedrick Mills continues to improve. Like it won't matter because you're just going to have too many guys in the box. So I think that getting the wide receiver play to a, a better point and continuing to grow throughout, um, the season I think is a huge deal um, uh, if they're bad on offense I think it's the turnovers um, that will do them in I think that you've seen them be a team that turns the ball over a lot over the last couple of years um, notably Adrian Martinez who's been very bad at that um, on defense I'm running out of time here on defense they will be good on defense if they're able to actually affect the quarterback sacks are the big number um, that everybody looks at they were middle bottom ish of the pack last year um, with 27 sacks. Um, they have to be better and they have to figure out and that goes to what Jacob was saying about getting off the field on third down and they'll be good on defense if they can actually improve that sack number. Oh, we got it in just under the buzzer, just under the buzzer. That you know was what, incredible. You know what that was? That was the, um, that was the little kid that, that starts drawing like happy birthday on a banner and draws just gigantic H-A-P-P, and then he sees that he's running out of space, (laughs) and you get like a super small B, and then a really, really small I, and then a bunch of letters like on top of each other. But you got it in under the buzzer. It got done. Good job, I guess. Thank you.
Brandon. minutes goes by faster than you think. Do what? <laughs> two minutes goes by faster than you think. It does. <laughs> Brandon, you are up. Your time right. on the clock begins now. All right. This gets pretty complicated, but um, I think for Nebraska to have success this year, it needs to have one of the four best offensive lines in the Big Ten and be a top 20 rushing outfit. I yield the rest of my time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want something on defense, like I can go with, I can go with Greg. I think they're going to be a, a, a back to front defense. Like if that secondary is good enough to help out the pass rushers to, to boost some guys. I mean, we look at this team and there's no kind of natural sack master that you can readily identify at this stage. So they're going to need, they're going to need excellent, excellent coverage to, I think, get them to that point. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of it. If they can run the ball, uh, it, it run the ball. Yeah, it, it cures a lot of potential ails uh, with the receiving core and also with the defense. So I'll stop now. So I, I a, appreciate you saying sack master because now I'm curious who's going to get us the Big Mac sacks this this fall. Who who's going to do it? But we but we need to know the people want answers. Are they doing that again? Uh, they better. I mean, it's what else do we have to live point. for? So a question for Brandon, um, because you would probably remember this better than anyone else. Like, is there an example that you have of a team that um, the pass rush was really helped out by the secondary? Does it ever go that way? Because it feels like it doesn't. Um, I I don't have any specific examples uh, off the top of my head, but this was like a a trendy debate in like football analytics circles um, two years ago, mostly with the NFL of like, can you help out your coverage more with a pass rush or can your coverage help out the pass rush more? And at least at the NFL and it was close. Um, but there was like a slight tendency towards pass coverage. Um, and I mean, it, it's, you think back to those 2009 and 10 Nebraska teams, you know, obviously you had Sue who was just doing whatever he wanted. Um, but you look at the sack total and I mean, Sue contributed to this too, but like guys like Pierre Allen, um, Jared Crick, who was also a really good player, but they kind of got sacks across the board. And what I really think of aside from Sue, just ragdolling dudes nonstop is how good those secondaries were. And it was a mix of Juco guys and guys that they recruited and guys that they inherited at that early stage. Um, and just with the way Nebraska is built, and I think the way it can be built in the future, it's always going to, I think, be better off in the secondary than it is up front, uh, unless something drastically changes. But that's where they've been in their history. And I think a big part of that, too, now is how much quicker a lot of offenses are getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands, where um, the quick passing game can really neutralize even a really good pass rush, where um, if you can get the ball out of your hands within one, two seconds, doesn't matter how good of a pass rusher you have, he's not getting there in time. So you got to have cornerbacks uh, that you can uh, kind of put in situations where they can play a little bit tighter. They don't have to give as much of a cushion. They don't have to play off as much because uh, they're strong enough uh, in coverage to hold up without that big of a cushion. So now the quarterback has to think as opposed to just getting the ball out of his hand so quickly. So um, I think that's a big part of it as well in terms of the coverage versus pass rush debate now. Okay. You want to hear mine? Or do we want to move on? I mean, you have one? It's your show. We do yeah, I can have one. Yeah, you can I mean, have I mean, one. Like yeah, I've got, I've got one. I just it, didn't know if you guys just, I mean, I have you guys here to listen to you talk, not for you to listen to me talk. Well, so if you made us do the homework, then um, yeah, we want, want to hear from you too. Yeah, we want your opinion too. <laughs> Make sure you did it as well. Uh, clock starts now. Nebraska will be successful in 2020 if guys are who we think they are or thought they are. I wish 
I had the the audio queued up. Was it Dennis Green? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wish I had the audio queued up to have that right now, but I don't. If if guys are who we thought they were or could be, Nebraska will be successful, and and successful for them will be continuing to grow as a program. It won't be winning seven, six, seven, eight games. It'll be finding some momentum. So like, if Dedrick Mills is a bell cow, is a successful bell cow. If Adrian Martinez is what he was in 2018 and grows off of that instead of, you know, the quarterback that he was in 2019, I think Nebraska has the potential to be a really, really efficient rushing offense. And I think Adrian Martinez is, his biggest potential as a quarterback is in that kind of offense. It's in a run first offense that will set him up for play action or set him up for more advantageous situations if they can run the ball successfully, which I think they can. If Brennan Hymas is one of the best tackles in the conference, like Greg Austin thinks he can be, they'll be good. If Cam Jurgens continues to take that that those next steps, if he's better at snapping the ball, they have the chance to to have a cohesive offensive line. If Bryce Benhart is ready and they can keep Matt Farniak at right guard where they think he's better better suited and Ben Hart is is ready to handle Big Ten defenses, then they should have a pretty good offensive line. And, and offensively, they should be a, a really good team running the ball, which I think will help what's going on with wide receiver because they might just be in a state of flux all season long at wide receiver. Defensively, if Deontay Williams is the, yeah, he's the best guy that we have on the defense. If he's that kind of player, which they thought he could have been last year, and he stays healthy, they'll be fine. Ooh. Forgot about my timer for that a was, second. That was pretty close. Just barely snuck it in there, just like Greg. I forgot about my timer for a second. It does go faster than you think it, it will. It does. Yeah. It's fine. Do we want to stick on this for a little bit and talk more about do you, does anybody want to define success for Nebraska in twenty twenty or do we want to move on to a little bit of an Ohio State preview? Ohio State preview it is. <laughs> pretty self explanatory here. What are you guys gonna watch for in week one? What are you most curious about? Brandon, we'll start with you since you were the last non-me person to go. Yeah, I think Jacob is uh, about right where I'm at. Um, Nebraska plummeted in terms of, you know, you could look at it through a success rate, which I do often. Also, from a predicted points added standpoint, uh, Nebraska was top 25 in 2018, even through, you know, the 0-6 start uh, on, on first down predicted points added. Um, which is, you know, just kind of trying to measure how much value you're adding to those drives dropped into the nineties um, last year. And, and if that doesn't change um, it, it's going to be pretty tough sledding for them. And I think, I think I'm optimistic that it can change. I'd be surprised if it got worse um, with the offensive line they have and basically returning your entire team. But I think uh, first downs, first downs are always critical. Like this is basic football stuff but you'll be able to tell a lot about how this game is going for Nebraska's offense just by what they're able to do there. I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I don't think you will have the numbers in front of you either, but tendencies for Nebraska on first down, I mean, tendency for their offense just in general last year was to just run the ball significantly more than they threw it. Do you think that they're going to come out and do some weird stuff on first down to try to catch Ohio State off balance, or do you think they're just going to be a team that just tries to run it and stay on schedule and not, you know, not have like third and 12s? 
Yeah, maybe early they do just because uh, it's a bizarre offseason and it's kind of, you know, throw everything you had those extra weeks to work on. You know, well, not everything, but throw some new wrinkles in there and, and see if you can get a big play. I, I don't know over the seasons as a whole uh, what, what those, you know, run pass percentages were. I can tell you this in 2018, when Nebraska had a lot of success on first down against uh, Ohio State, it, it threw the ball a lot. Uh, in 2019, when it did not have that success, it ran the ball a lot. So if those hold through throughout those seasons, um, and it, it seems like they would, they were they were much run heavier last year. Seems like they would have been a little more diverse in 2018. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where they were at. I floated this to Greg on the drive up to our our podcast studio. Does anybody think we might get some I formation football from Nebraska in Week One? They did some stuff with the fullback. Against Ohio State last year, it was the only time we saw it. Chenander talked about getting some two-back looks from the offense and camp to help them prepare for Wisconsin, so they've got that in there. Do we see it? Maybe they line up in that, uh, show them, because Ohio State is who they used it against last year, and then flex one of the backs out and just go into a quick passing game instead. Just just kind of mess with their heads, like, oh, hey, I remember this last year. Hey, get get ready to watch the run coming in. Do you put Diedrich Mills at fullback and Luke McCaffrey at Oh, behind him. (laughs) Will we see a weird package for Luke McCaffrey in week one? Diedrich Mills was the fullback in those like four I formation plays they ran. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think they put Wandale Wandale Robinson behind him. Yeah. But could they, what I said said to Derek on the drive is I, I could see them doing it and having Mills be the fullback within Ronald Tompkins being the guy dotting the eye. And then you have Wandale in the slots, and then you have kind of maximum flexibility in that, which would be interesting. I mean, people people would go nuts for it. Whether or not it works is a whole different thing. Um, but we'll see. No one took the Luke McCaffrey bait. Do we see a weird <laughs> I, I package say, from I think, him? I do. I don't know if you'll see it against Ohio State, although like the ultimate flex, and I can't take credit for this. Brandon sort of said this as a joke, but like the ultimate flex would be for them to roll. Uh, Luke out as quarterback to start the game um, just because (laughs) it would completely throw a wrench in everyone's plans. But unfortunately, then you completely undermine everything else. Uh, But I would be shocked if we don't see Luke. I mean, if why not get weird? That's this entire season is weird. Like, why not? I, I maybe we'll see it against Ohio State, but you're gonna see you're gonna see Luke McCaffrey do something that isn't act as a quarterback. The why not this season? Sorry, the why not is was a, a question in our mailbag this week that I remember specifically Jacob's answer. Um, the why not is well, if Luke McCaffrey gets hurt doing something other than quarterback, then you turn to Logan Smothers as a true freshman as your backup. Jacob, do you still feel that way? Yeah. And you wrote it on Wednesday, yesterday, so. Yeah, and I kind of said the uh, same thing on um, on the radio uh, as well. Like, I, I just, I don't think the reward, I, I could be wrong. Like, we haven't seen exactly what they've been cooking up and how McCaffrey's been playing, but I just think the reward isn't greater than the risk of putting him out there in these kind of weird situations where, I said, if, if he's playing full-time at quarterback, and he's not going through the wide receiver reps and really hammering home the playbook out there and working on his route running, all that kind of stuff. How much more is he going to help you in kind of that role or a gadget role 
than the other guys that are working there full time. And if the answer is a lot, then Nebraska is probably in trouble. Um, and then so you take that part of out. If, if he's going to help you more as a quarterback, then why didn't he win the job? So I just don't know. Like that's I've been kind of never really quite understood how exact like what exactly nobody's really defined what they think that's going to be like. How do you actually get him involved? Because typically, good offenses don't use two quarterbacks very much, and when they do, I don't necessarily think that it helps them. So I, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll see a few trick plays similar to what we saw last year. Like they'll bring him in for to run a couple plays here, there, and something some weird stuff and. Those were effective a little bit last year when they used him, but beyond that, I just I don't know what that would look like to get him more involved. And then, like you no, said, the, the injury, yeah, the injury part of it as well. Um, you you want to have that guy healthy, and we've seen how how much Martinez has gotten banged up throughout his career already. I have two numbers written down in my notes. One of them focusing on the offense. One of them focusing on the defense. A year ago, Nebraska got stuffed on twenty point two percent of its runs. So. One out of every five was stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. Um, Ohio State's defense was third and stuff right last year. Will this game be decided on the ground in the trenches? I mean, you can you can pretty much make the case that every single football game ever is decided at the line of scrimmage. But Nebraska was a team in terms of like power running. I have it written down. They were. 26th nationally in power success rate. So on third or fourth down with two yards or fewer to go, they picked it up 78% of the time. Pretty good. Surpri- that's so surprising. They're, they're not, they weren't a team that struggled in short yardage situations, at least on third and fourth down, but they were a team, maybe you could, you could categorize them at least in the run department as feast or famine. Yeah. Do we think, and I, and I wrote about this this week, it might be strength on strength with that Ohio State defensive line. Because, like, yeah, they lost Chase Young, but they're they're going to be fine on the defensive line, probably. Um, do, do we do we think that it's going to be if Nebraska can run the ball, it has a chance. If Nebraska can't run the ball, it stands no chance. Is it that cut and dry? Might be close. Um, I mean, Ohio State's fine talent wise on the defensive line, but they still are replacing basically three of four starters. Um, and those dudes are, are, are super talented, but it's a, it's a first game scenario, uh, new, maybe some new wrinkles from either run game coordinator or, uh, offensive coordinator, probably both, uh, just in terms of how you're asking those guys to move Nebraska's offensive line should be better. Uh, so I think it's just, I don't know if it's that cut and dried, but if you're asking me, what would I prefer if I were in Scott Frost's position, I'd much prefer that than, really having to lean on a wide receiver core that at this point seems like almost a total mystery outside of Wandale Robinson. Yeah. I And this was actually ties into what I was actually let's say for the answer of what I'm watching for in week one. Is that like, what kind of physicality does Nebraska come out with right out of the gates, physicality and confidence, because the offensive line for as much as they've been talked about on this podcast and throughout the off season, um, they should be a pretty confident group, right? Like they should say, okay, we're coming into this game and we know that these guys have talent and these are guys that are pegged to be future stars, but they're pegged to be future stars. We're here now and they have to grow and learn like 
we want to see if we can push them around. Like maybe they can't, and <laughs> maybe that's what ends up being the answer. But I think it's tied to that. I think that Nebraska absolutely is going to have to be able to run the ball successfully. But I'm I'm looking for if Nebraska comes out with confidence that they can actually push those guys around and just see what happens. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. Um, but I think you have to attack that confidently. Jacob, what are you watching for in week one? Um, I'm going to be watching Adrian Martinez. Um, obviously, we, we saw what he was as a freshman. We saw what he was as a sophomore. I think one of the biggest storylines that's going into this year now that he's won the starting job heading into week one is who is Adrian Martinez really? Is he a guy that can elevate your team and lead you to winning season and do all the things that we thought uh, he could while we were watching him as a freshman? And obviously, it's a little bit um, – more worried now about the wide receiver situation you thought kind of a big part of a potential bounce back was having a much better situation around him still have the offensive line should be healthy going into week one we don't know exactly who he's going to be throwing to so that is more of a question mark now Austin Allen (laughs) yeah uh, those tight ends should be healthy so he'll have some options there to throw to so um, I think just going to be watched because obviously depending on how he plays the chatter, I think Scott Frost with his two quarterback thing has only increased the kind of chatter we're going to hear on game days on each and every throw. People are going to be calling for uh, McCaffrey every single time he throws an incomplete pass. Um, so that, that'll kind of be interesting to see just what that whole thing is like, um, kind of how the fans view this season and the way he's playing um, and everything that goes along with that. So offensively there and then defensively, it's going to be the linebackers um, and how much can those inside linebackers make progress because that was a weak point last year and two of the three guys are back from that group. Um, we're expecting some improvement from them Then maybe some of the young guys can get in there and offer a different kind of skill set to hopefully strengthen that position as a whole. But they've got to be in their run fits. They've got to be in the right spots. They can't get torched in coverage, like I mentioned earlier, especially on third down. Um, so that can't happen. And then Deontay Williams. I just want to see him play football. Everything we've heard about him, what we saw in that limited role his first year in Nebraska, I just want to see what he's got and what he can bring to this defense. I have gap integrity, edge setting, and contain in a box made of stars. So Justin Fields averaged three and a half yards per carry last year, but he had 22 explosive runs. This was the eighth most in the conference. Like, Fields is going to hurt them through the air. He's going to do his thing. I think he's, if, I don't know if he, if he, is he eligible for the Heisman? Because it'll be awarded before they finish the season. If he's eligible for the Heisman, he might be the only person in America that could take it away from Trevor Lawrence. If he's not, obviously it doesn't matter. But like, he's going to do his thing in the passing game. Where they can't let him kill them is in the run department. So, they have to be better at setting the edge. They have to be more assignment sound in their gaps, which was a problem at the linebacker level last year. They have to do a better job of containing him. I'll be looking at that in week one. Aaron, what about you? Well, I mean, aside from everything, you a lot of you have already taken <laughs> the stuff that I had. But I guess for myself, I'll add this layer to it. I, I'm going to actually just read... Um, Frost's quote from earlier I had it pulled up so let me go grab it really quick he talked about so he said this during his last availability for the week that 
whatever happens, I want to see a bunch of guys who don't like, basically don't like getting hit in the mouth, but are, but aren't afraid of the next play and go out and try to continue to make great plays. The thing I brought up a number of times and we've all talked about is that uh, this team just for some reason doesn't know how to win. And I go back to that Colorado matchup last year. I think Nebraska was the better team in that matchup and they blew a 17 zero lead and ultimately lost. And even if you go back and look at like ESPN's win projection throughout it, even when they were down ESPN wasn't quite like ready to say that they were not going to win. That's where that, that game should not have gone that way. So why does this team get so defeated? And this isn't specific to frost and what he has created. This is, this has been the case for a while. So I guess, I guess I'll be looking at the same thing. Frost is for guys who, when they get punched in the mouth, don't just, you know, retreat, uh, I don't really know how to quantify that by anything outside of just show up and do your job. Um, but we, we hear a lot about culture. We hear a lot about him getting the culture that he wants. Scouts agreeing with me if you hear her in the background. Um, but yeah, I, at some point that has to translate into winning. I thought it's that, pretty simple for me. I thought that quote was really good. And yeah. you could maybe you could quantify it by looking at maybe their third down numbers on defense. Maybe you could look at, that red zone conversion percentage, which are two areas that need to improve. Could you also look yeah. at it, and it's not going to not going to necessarily be this game, but like in those games in which they get up seventeen zero, that they can find a way to put teams away. You don't think they're going to be up seventeen nothing in this game? Spoiler alert: No. <laughs> which which team are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Since we have limited time with Aaron today, let's move on to the over/under section, which will be more of like the season, the season previews. So we're we're going to start with Adrian Martinez. Now, a couple of these numbers, like I said in the beginning, they were set by um, Vegas. So Adrian Martinez touchdowns were set at thirteen and a half. He had seventeen as a freshman. He had ten as a sophomore. Aaron, over or under thirteen and a half touchdowns. Oh, this is the, this is the one where I, oh, I could, I'm going to, I'm going to take the under, but only because. (laughs) Now you look like you're, you're second questioning everything. Don't let us guilt (laughs) you out of it. Say what you were going to (laughs) say. So it has nothing to do with Adrian. It has everything to do with the receivers and being fairly uncertain of what he's going to have. Um, with Wandale, that gives me some faith in maybe taking the over. And I just don't know what to expect from the tight ends. I don't know what to expect from the receivers, which is where I'm hesitant. All of you made me feel really bad. So now I'm going to take the over just no, out of like no. sheer, like mark that down pressure. as an under. No, she's taking um, the under. You 100% but, when we reacted, the look on your face was like, you were questioning every decision you've ever made in your entire <laughs> life. I just, I'm very like, I, like I said, I'm just really hesitant because of the receivers. I just do not, I just don't know what they have. I just, I don't. And we also have less games. <laughs> so I don't know. I'll, I'll stick with it. It'll, I mean, it's under even if he hits 13. So sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, all of that is fair and logical. Um, Jacob, what about you? I am going to take the over. Um, you mentioned 17 in what, 11 games as a freshman. 
10 in uh, 10 games last year. Um, so I think he doesn't have to be a superstar to hit that over. He just has to kind of settle in at least somewhere in between because even that freshman rate, you prorate that out to, um, I guess I was thinking nine games, but he would have been right on that. He would have been just barely made the over uh, based on the same rate as his freshman year. And even that wasn't a high touchdown rate year. Um, like 17 touchdowns compared to a lot of quarterbacks out there. That wasn't um, that wasn't a crazy number or anything. So I think he can, as long as he makes some improvement, he doesn't even have to suddenly become a superstar to hit that over. And um, 13 and a half, it's, if he can't hit that, then it's going to be a long year, I think. And it's 1.7 def- a game. Yeah. If you were about to look that up. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's um, 1.7 a game. Yeah. And so I... I guess it, it well, you're you're fair. You're fair on this. You're actually talking to me into it. Like you guys can still roast me for taking the under, <laughs> but like even just thinking about this weekend, he kind of has to hit the over to get anywhere near the score prediction. I thought so. <laughs> um, my things aren't matching up in my head at this point. Yeah, that's so. that's the tough part about the these over unders. You got to kind of put them in comparison to each other, and I think. I, the wideout situation. You have a good point there. That is worrisome. You thought a lot of the end zone. Uh, improvement, the red zone improvement, was a guy like Omar Manning being there that you could throw the ball up to that could go beat one-on-one coverage. You have a guy maybe like Xavier Betts at some point, um, another bigger guy, athletic, that can go up and get the ball. We don't know exactly how big of a part of this team early on, especially, and just in general, those guys are going to beat right now just based on what we heard in the preseason. So that definitely um, is worrisome. But I'm going to stick with the over and uh, because if, if they can't, I guess maybe if they can run it well enough to where they get a lot of short yardage rushing touchdowns in the, the red zone. Um, we didn't really talk about touchdown rushing touchdowns for him or uh, Diedrich Mills or anything like that. Kind of that's the other part of this. So maybe if he's running the ball into the end zone and instead of passing it, you can still kind of get to where you need to be as long as the total touchdowns is there. But I'm going to stick with the over. So I'm going to take the over too. Like I said, he had 17 in 2018. Um, nine quarterbacks in the Big Ten have had 13 or more every year since 2015. So uh, now I know that was 12-game, 13-, 14-game season for some of them, um, but nine guys have done it, and I think Adrian can be like one of the nine best quarterbacks in the Big Ten Conference. I know that's not you know, an oversimplification of it, but um, they basically scored 3.3 touchdowns a game last year. If we expect that to go up, like... Adrian would have to be the one producing them, right? And I expect the offensive numbers to go up. I expect the points to go up. Dieter Mills with double-digit touchdowns last year. It's not thir- like he's going to suddenly be a 25-touchdown guy. Right. 13.5 is 1.7 over, I think I did an eight-game season. Now I'm questioning. Um, Adrian can get that. Yeah, I'm taking the over. Yep. Greg? I've gone back and forth as we kind of gone through here and I'm, I'm a little like shell-shocked that everybody is convincingly saying the over and it almost just makes me want to go the I wasn't convinced well, you, I still uh, don't know what I'm taking you have to say you probably <laughs> changed your mind again since um I've changed my score prediction like four times for this game I don't know what I think anymore <laughs> I just feel like the things that we come to expect seem to never happen but I'm going to go with the over, and I think what kind of pushed me in this direction is it is 1.7 a game. Um, I agree with Derek that the offense should be better, um, and he has to produce to be able to get it there. So I'm, I'm going to go reluctantly 
I am going to go over. The funny thing is we've saved Brandon for the end in this, and like it would be perfect if he came in and said under. Brandon? Allow me to oblige you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's under pretty easy, actually. Ooh, uh, maybe ooh. not. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Already walking it back. Perfect. Ah! It, may, it may not be easy. With a nine-game schedule, I, I put Adrian at 13, so just under. But with an eight-game schedule, uh, I feel even better about that. Here's the thing. Uh, th- there's no – his career average so far is 1.25 per game against conference opponents. There are only conference opponents. There are no real – outside of maybe Illinois, and we'll see, Illinois went bowling last year, Nebraska didn't. There are no real stat-padding games on this schedule – um, so I think you got to look hard at the conference only numbers when, when trying to figure these out. So for that reason, I am under, can I, can I add one comment before we move on? I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> um, you say that there are no real stat padding games on the schedule. That is true. If you're talking about them being up like 50 <laughs> to 14 at halftime, it is not true. However, if you think that against like Minnesota, Ohio state, Penn state that they're going to be trailing early and big. So they're going to have to throw the ball. Like I'm thinking about the Penn state game on the road in 2017 where Tanner Lee just went bonkers in the second half, but it didn't actually matter because they lost and they were going to lose like garbage time. Touchdowns count. They do for these purposes. Um, I'm I'm comfortable in my position on this. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, the next over-under is Adrian Martinez yards. Vegas set this at 1,835 and a half. Greg. I'm going to go under on this one. Um, and really because I was leaning under on the touchdowns, I wanted to split it up. Um, but also because I think that Adrian's rushing totals could be a little bit higher, and therefore he may not have to throw it as much. He might not get as much yardage. I'm going to go under. Jacob, I uh, I went over, um, and again when I, when I sat down and decided these, I was going off nine games, um, factoring that number into eight games. That's 230 yards a game, basically, which is uh, which he went just over in his freshman year. And the kind of the logic I followed with the touchdowns is I think he's going to revert more to freshman year numbers. And if I'm following that same path, I'll go with a over on that as well. And the, the point Derek raises as well is a good one. It, no matter how they go, if they're doing well uh, or if they're not doing well, then he's probably going to be passing more than they want anyway. So um, just kind of playing the odds there, I'm going to take the over. I, I don't think he's going to clear it by a ton, but 230 yards a game. Like I said, he was at 237.9 as a freshman. So I think he can get into that same ballpark. Aaron, over or under? I guess if I'm going to take the under on the first one, I'll just take the under here too. I mean, I had taken the under. I I feel like both of these, both passing touchdown and passing yards, he could be pretty much in the neighborhood of both of these. And that's that's the challenge is it doesn't really matter if it's one yard, if it's one yard higher or lower. It, for this purpose, I'll take the under. I, I think sometimes when you do that, people think like you're taking it under by like 500 yards. It could literally be the under by five. <laughs> sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that. I took the over. He was over that number last year. He was over it in his freshman year. Uh, and last year he was, he only played 10 games. Um, so 
Now, all of this is assuming that he's not going to wind up being quarterback two by like the fourth game of the season, but I took the over. Um, I think he can get there. Brandon, what about you? At nine games, I'm over. At eight games, I'm under. Got him at 1,900. That's based on his career, 215.5 yards per game in Big Ten play. So he's right there. Um, this was a good number from from Vegas. So depending on the number of games, uh, that's what that would be. I guess when you throw in the possibility for any game at any moment to perhaps not go off, I guess that pushes me to the under off of my original over selection. So with that in mind, I feel like we should just go with the understanding that they're going to play the full season and then we can kind of prorate our expectations to the number of games they end up playing. So if they do end up only playing six or seven, we'll just divide by the, the per game average for what we thought it would be and see if they clear it that way. Yeah, we're just operating right now under the very unsafe assumption that they're <laughs> going to, to get through a full yeah. eight-game schedule. Yeah, so maybe per game would have been the better number to go with as opposed to totals, but I think the, that total will give you the per game based off of our parameters. Total so is what Vegas gave us. So yeah. Have I gotten through everybody on yardage? Yes. Yes? yes? Okay, now we move to Wando Robinson. Receiving yardage. Receiving yardage, not all-purpose yardage. Receiving yardage for everybody. It's set at 515 and a half yards. That was set by Vegas as well. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'm going to say over um, based on the eight games. That is 64 yards per game. Last year, he was at 43 receiving yards per game um, in 10 games. I think he'll be much better in this season. Um, I wish I had pulled this particular number. I feel like there was not as many explosive plays from Wandale as we could end up seeing this year. And I think that's actually a big key in general to the offense. Um, And I think that, I think that that number goes up and helps him get to that. I I think over on this, he was only 11.3 yards for catch last year. So that's how you get uh, 40 receptions and don't even clear 500 yards. Yeah, I mean, he played the bulk of his season as a running back. That's, yeah, yeah, and you stopped and that. And he missed and two can... games, and he still had 453 yeah. yards. I'm taking the over because if you look at J.D. Spielman last year in what we have all considered a bad year in terms of passing the ball, Spielman averaged 74.8 a game over an eight-game schedule. That's 598. So I've got, I, I think Wandale can slide seamlessly into that first option role that Spielman played. And I know he's going to be in the slot, but I think I think Wandale will be, should be, rightfully so, the first option. I think he's going to get a significant bump from not <laughs> having to run the ball up the middle of the, or up the gut for three yards yeah. and, ten times a game. And I actually looked at uh, J.D. Spielman's sophomore year kind of for a comparison um, where Spielman was kind of that 1B to Stanley Morgan's 1A. And 82 at this yards point, a game. Yeah, we don't know who, if they're going to have another kind of <laughs> like who main option that will really draw coverage away. Uh, but I think you saw 66 receptions for 818 yards in 10 games for J.D. Spielman playing alongside Stanley Morgan. And obviously I don't think Nebraska wants to throw it quite as much as they did that year, but it shows you that there's room in this offense for a gotten that slot receiver guy to put up those kind of numbers. So at, at 515, I'll definitely take the over. I think that's pretty easy. I think in the mailbag, I threw out 60 catches for 780, uh, 780 yards and six touchdowns, and that was off the nine-game season. So you kind of still adjust that to an eight-game season, still uh, easily over safely. And um, like also the not running the ball as much, um, I think, will help that because you're going to get him his touches. 
And now instead of handing them off, you're going to get him the ball more often. And I think he's good enough to take advantage of those extra touches, however they get it to him. Okay. Aaron, where are you at? Uh, I'll take the, I'll take the over. That's for the same reasons. I'll just take the over. Were you going to say under and you changed your mind at the last second? No, he, he, he's one where I feel pretty confident that when given the chance, he's going to take all the yards and considering to my point about Adrian and being unsure of what is going to happen there because of the receivers, the one reliable guy we do know he has is Wandale. And I think as long, as long as Wandale can stay open and isn't completely targeted by opposing defenses, which we know he will be, but he's good enough to evade that, I'll take the over. Okay. What about you, Brandon? Under, reluctantly. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty, pretty close. Uh, he was at 48 yards a game in Big Ten play last year, which was better than his non-conference number because he was still kind of working his way into the offense and they were um, – figuring out how best to use him. I think what Aaron mentioned, like I'm scared of this wide receiver group right now. And with him being like the one known entity, um, I want to see how much attention he gets first. I want to see if there are other guys who step up around him and that could, that could be tight ends easily as well um, to, to relieve some of that. So, you know, it's not just find Wandale on every down and know that you have to deal with him. And, and Nebraska will still be creative and find find ways to get him touches. Uh, but I'm just kind of shading a little bit that way. Um, I think it'll be I think it'll be really close. But I'll, I'll take the under. You're approaching this offensive season with some caution. It seems. Don't worry. It all snaps together eventually. You know, you, you gotta you gotta understand. You gotta think about how if I take under here how it fits into the whole picture. So okay. stay tuned. Yeah. You're playing chess while we're playing checkers is what you're telling me. No, that's not, not <laughs> just saying. No. Okay. All right. okay. I, re- I really was like, well, if I say this, then what does it mean for that? Um, it would, yeah. All right. Number four is tight ends and wide receivers. We're factoring both of them in here with 400 yards. So number of guys that hit the 400 yard receiving mark. Set it at two and a half. Brennan, it seems like you would maybe be taking the under on that one. We'll let you go first. <laughs> um, well, it, when I first read this, I only saw the tight ends part. Same. And I, same. And I was like, is Derek I high? thought the same thing. <laughs> I was so <laughs> confused. I'm like, that's the easiest one. <laughs> I was like, thanks, like, There's man. There's going to be zero tight ends with 400 yards. Nebraska hasn't had one since at least 2009. Yeah. Kyler Reed got to 395 in 2010, and that's the closest they've come over the past decade. Um but yeah, I'll, 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 I think I'll stick with the. Uh, I'm going to stick with the under. Um, they'll get they'll get two, um, and I'm just. I think if this offense works the way they want it to, um, and the way it probably has to for now, given some of those those question marks I have at pass catcher, uh, they'll they'll be under that. So you might have you might get pretty close, but I'll go under two and a half. Okay, Aaron. I'm taking the under as well, but I will, I, I agree. The first time I was reading through these questions, I only saw tight ends and I was like, man, we're very confident in the tight end yeah. group. This I year. started I it like, with, 
Husker receivers slash tight ends. Yeah. Husker some, receivers, did you guys just skip I, over that part? I just went yeah, back and looked those, and it. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. I don't know how, but he edited that we, in. We, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> he edited that in. I, I just figured like Jacob just like really made a play for the tight ends and was like, just let's see how many tight ends can get 400 yards this season. <laughs> Um, I'm going to take take the under two because as confident as I am in uh, Scott Frost's basketball team at tight end um, between them and the receivers. No. Welcome to to 2020 where the weirdness continues and Nebraska runs exclusively, exclusively I formation and three tight end sets. (laughs) Jacob over under. I mean, why not? (laughs) Yeah, I, this is a really good number. I think that's probably right where it needs to be to make you really think hard about this. Um, I, and I, w- a month or two back, I probably would have taken the over. Now I'm less certain because it seems like that picture at wide receiver is less certain. And I felt like if guys were who we thought they were, they had a chance to get that three-plus guys into that range. You got, obviously, Wanda Robinson – Omar Manning, maybe a guy like uh, Alante Brown emerges, something like that, and then maybe one of those tight ends. Now, it just seems like there's so much uncertainty. I have no idea who who are going to be the guys that catch the most passes this year beyond Robinson. He's going to clear it, I think, pretty easily as we've established. But beyond him, I don't know who the second, third, fourth receivers are going to be. And there's a chance it's just spread out. And you still ha- you can still have a good season uh with the uncertainty there, if you have guys at least produce, it doesn't necessarily have to be one or two guys doing it. But right now, I, I don't like. So you could have uh, Omar Manning have a good stretch where he plays well and is a big part of it. Eventually, you have Alante Brown coming on down the season, whatever, and still not get to that point. You could have Cade Warner be reliable, do everything he needs to, and come in under that that uh, that mark as well. So I'll take a, I'll take the under on two and a half. I think we'll get one. I think we've got a chance to get two. At this point, I just have a hard time seeing who that third guy would be. Yeah, I took the under two. Lubick, um, he had three three guys when he was an offensive coordinator for a year at Oregon and then two years at Washington. He had three guys in two of those three seasons, um, in, in 16 and then in 18. His first year at Washington, he only had one guy. Um, I, I kind of think, I, I agree with you, Jacob, that I, I kind of think receiver is going to be a little bit of a revolving door this season because realistically you have to factor in like they're going to have some dudes miss out on games because of testing. Maybe they're, they're going to have guys that get injured. Um, that stuff is, is going to happen. And, and I just think like maybe like Xavier Betts comes on at the end of the season and like you get to game five or something, and it's like, all right, we got to put this dude on the field, and maybe he starts taking snaps away from from somebody else that was playing earlier in the year. Like, I think I, I think you're right on when you say that there's there, there's going to be a lot of guys that that produce as opposed to two or three guys that produce a ton. Greg, under, I, and I, this one I felt pretty confident about once I sleep. figured out the actual question and noticed receivers <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I, I, a good prop bet here really would be like who's going to be the second receiver or who's going to be the third like leading receiver um, because man we it would just be all over the board. I, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go under. I think that's a safe bet here. Aaron's dog has hijacked the podcast. He's on the on the Zoom call. This is what Scout actually does. It does not matter. She gets tired of not being included after a period of time. 
And she only does it when I'm on video calls. Only time. I know no one can see this because this is a podcast and you can only hear it, but <laughs> Aaron's dog is literally on top of her licking her face. That's great. That's wonderful. She has opinions and she wants them heard. Over under. <laughs> All right, we got to everybody with... She is doing my job. We got to everybody with this section, didn't we? Brandon, you yep. started us out, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, we, yeah, we got everybody. Yeah. Okay. It's right. the first one we all agreed. Number five is interceptions thrown. Uh, this suggestion comes to us via Brandon Vogel, who set the number at nine. Adrian had nine in, in 2019 and then eight in, in 2018. Who wants to start us out? Greg, how about you start us out? Over, under. I will go under. Uh, boy, but I'm <laughs> reluctant. As, I've been reluctant a lot today. Um, <laughs> I will go under. Um, I actually think that because I started off talking about the keys of, of um, limiting turnovers, I think that they actually will do a better job with that. I will keep it brief. I think under on this one. Okay. Brandon? I'm under on this one um, based almost solely on how much I think Nebraska runs the football. Um, I think that'll be key. You you do hope to see some kind of improved decision-making from Adrian or Luke. If, if Luke happens to get some serious snaps at at quarterback, just with at least one year, even though it was a redshirt year under his belt. So I'll go under. Jacob. Yeah. And it's worth noting that this is total team interceptions, correct? Yeah. Not not just, yeah. So that's factoring in anybody else who might be getting snaps there. So it doesn't really matter who it is. Gadget play. Wandale throwing a pass. <laughs> um, but so they were at nine last year, and they were at 11 two years ago, I believe. And that was in 12 games both years, obviously. So I, I think they can just show a tiny little bit of improvement and hit that under. That's all it takes. In an eight-game season, that's one interception a game, and that's it. And I think they can get to that point at least where um, they hit the under in an eight-game season. If we're looking at nine, ten uh, – 11 games, whatever, that gets a little bit tougher, but with what we've got set now, I'm taking the under. Aaron? I'll take the under. Scout, scout's in agreement. <laughs> I'll, I'll mark Scout down. Can I say push? No. I think that'll be at nine. I think nine's a really good number. One a game, probably about where it will be, should be. Let, let the record show that Derek was the first one to push. Okay. Um, <laughs> the next one is interceptions gained by the defense. I've set this number at 11. And I, in my notes, I have over. And in my notes, next to over, I have Deontay with an exclamation mark. <laughs> so I'm saying over. I think Deontay's going to be really good. I think in the mailbag, I said that he was going to lead the team with four. Um, I think they're going to have a number of guys that that turn pass deflections into interceptions. I think Di- DiCaprio Boodle is finally going to turn deflections into interceptions because it really is remarkable that he doesn't have a single one so far um, with, with all of the... Now, I guess that... Teams are going to have to throw it at him for him to be able to intercept it, but I, I think he can turn a couple. Um, I've got over, over 11, which they need. They, they need. Like, I, I've talked about it before. Like, the Baylor defense is, is so interesting to me in that Matt Rule said 30 turnovers and 40 sacks, and you'll be really good, and they hit those marks, and they were 11-3. and three. And, like, I, I think, like, this defense will probably try to play a similar way and that they it, it's not necessarily about the yardage. It's about the... Um, the energy momentum swinging plays. And I think that they, you know, they've been building towards being a better takeaway unit over. I, I've got, I've got them at the over Brandon. What about you? Yeah, I'll go with the over on that very reluctantly, 
but uh, to support the overall narrative arc of all of my picks, I, I need to be over on on this for the uh, defensive backs. I mean, hey, you'll take D-line and linebacker interceptions too, yep. but I'm counting on that, that secondary to be pretty good. D-line interceptions should count double. I should just get an automatic touchdown if they get like Darian Daniels should yeah. have gotten a touchdown oh, yeah. for what he did against Purdue last that year. Should have been like that should have board. been points on the board. Yeah. Regardless of whether he fell short of the goal line or not, it should have been points on the board. Greg. I'm gonna go with the over as well. Um I think I think the secondary uh, well, I think the secondary will be good. Um I, I do think I was kind of along Derek's line of thinking about Boodle as well. That like if he just converts a couple of those, that starts to boost things. I, I agree that Deontay will be very good as well. Um I am curious now now that Derek said it, if teams throw at Boodle as much, like if they kind of start to think, okay, well maybe he's going to start to catch those or he's going to break them up and so maybe we shouldn't and we, we should test someone else. Well they did last year they didn't throw at him and and decided to throw at Lamar Jackson instead and Lamar had a really good year but mm. they were just it was the choice that offenses made not to throw at Boodle. Which is that whole thing was always just interesting um but I, I'm gonna still go I'm gonna go with the over and I think I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that a linebacker does get an interception. Who else still needs to answer this? Aaron, I do. And, okay, go for it. Um, I'll take the over as well. I think, you know, one of the strong suits of this defense is it's the defensive backs. I think, I think this is going to be a big year for them. And while there's some uncertainty on the line, um, just as far as, you know, they did just take their starting three and put them in the NFL, but, um, we know there's enough talent there. I think they'll get pressure up front. I think teams will end up putting the ball in the air, and I think that those defensive backs are going to be ready, especially as long as people can stay healthy. So I'll take the over. Jacob. All right. I will be the lone dissenting voice here. Uh, they were at .92 interceptions per game each of the last two years. Um, it's interesting that it stayed steady. Um, and you you put that in eight games, that's just over seven interceptions in the season. I think they can improve on what they were last year and still not get to 11 in eight games. So I think we could see nine, 10 interception season and still feel like they've shown some improvement on that end um, while not hitting that mark of 11. So I'm taking the under. Okay. I really wish people could see Scout. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Scout's just chilling, (laughs) looking at the screen. Uh, Next category is fumble recovery percentage. This was another Brandon suggestion. You put it at 50%. Brandon, what say you? Yeah, this is a dumb one. Don't spend very much time on it at all. This is uh, simply a measure of, do you think Nebraska will be lucky or unlucky this year? Because theoretically, you should recover 50%. They were at 58.8 last year, 40.9 this year. Again, in service of the story, I will go over. I will go under because Nebraska is not lucky and they can't have nice things. Evidenced by the injuries that they face as they prepare for week one. Who else would uh, would like to go? I'll go. I'll, I'll go take- under as well for the exact same reason as Derek. <laughs> Aaron, I was going to just say I'll take the I'll take the over. I'll let them have a little bit of luck in twenty twenty. All right, coming into that, I uh, did not actually look into this one at all. Um, I coming in, I was planning to go the same way that Brandon went because uh, that's <laughs> typically a smart way to go. So I will take the over, and I do feel like. They've got some guys that have a knack for getting to the football. You've got you add Deontay Williams into that mix. Um, Cam Taylor Britt obviously is one of those guys, and I think um, one or two of those linebackers, JoJo Doman, I think could be uh, that type type of guy. So I think they've got some guys that can. Obviously, it's luck, but you also have to have guys that are 
uh, effective at um, putting themselves in those situations where they're in position to recover fumbles. And I think Nebraska's got some of those guys. Next one. We've only got two left. And this is the big one. This really is the big one with the defense. Yards per carry, so yards per run allowed. Set the number at 4.8. Greg, where you at? They were at 5.5. 4.82 last year. Where were the 4.82? I think, where did I get 5.5? I think Sip says 5.5 because he's basing it just off of Big Ten play. Okay, which actually might be not be a bad way to go on this one just because they're only playing conference games. I'm going I'm going to go over. I'm not I'm not convinced that they stopped the run all that much better this year, especially at the beginning of the season. Um I think that they could be better at the end um than they are at the beginning and they'll be scrambling to get back down to this number. So I will go over on they've the been, 4.8. They've been over that number each of the last 3 years. In 2017 yeah. they were at 5.57. At some point it's going to have to turn um but uh, but I don't think yet. I think I'm going to go over on this one. Brandon, where you at? Over. Um yeah. Oh, last 2 years combined in Big 10 play 5.6 yards per carry allowed. It's just improving by almost a full yard is is a big big ask when you look at the defensive linemen lost. So, uh, as as Greg was kind of alluding to, this is one that needs to get fixed soon ish. But I don't think uh, I don't think this is a year for that. Yeah, I think they're also going to get tested on the ground too because people are are going to want to try out. I mean, when you have when you have to replace three all three of your starters on the defensive line, like that's where people that's where teams are going to attack you. Aaron, where are you at? I'm going to take the over as well. Um, but like I said in the last answer, I do think that the I do think that the defensive line will will. I I think that they'll bring some pressure. Like I think that we know that there's a lot of talent there. Um, I just still think that there's going to be some questions that have to be answered, and you know there's going to be young mistakes that just happens. So I'll take the over, but I I think they're closer to fixing it maybe with this group than. Than not, but yeah, I'll still take the over. Jacob? Yeah, this is a tough spot, especially I think with the teams they start out against early in the season compared to maybe some of the ones, obviously, um, that there are some run heavy teams later on as well, but you come out against Ohio State and Penn State, even with their injuries and uh, Wisconsin early on. Um, it's, those are some of the best rushing teams you're going to play against. And you got to do that before you can really uh, kind of sort things out and let guys ease into the season or whatever. Um, so losing out on that non-conference and having those teams early on in the schedule, I, I think they can show improvement from start to finish and still not hit that, uh, that mark for the overall season numbers. So I'll take the over as well, but I think it will get better in the second half of the season, both because of the schedule e- easing up a little bit and also because I think they're going to improve with more experience. I'm going to take the under. Only two teams in the Big Ten last year averaged more than 4.8 yards per carry as an offense. Yeah. I, and, and Maryland's defense last year gave up 4.26 yards per carry. Maryland. Yes, I, I was looking at that too, but then I remember that's full season numbers and uh, not just Big Ten numbers. So Sure, I mean, I, I mean, sure, but you also, I, I think when you want to throw out non-conference, you're also losing a little bit of the context of, like, they were healthiest in those games. So you're 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 starting your season 
still, I mean, like, I, I get what you're saying and that they're only going to be facing Big Ten and, and not, you know, South Dakota State. But I'll take the under. Just see what happens. 4. Last 8, one. 4.85 for Maryland last year in conference only. In games. conference only? So, yep, right on the number. Okay, yeah. So I feel good. Better than the, I thought. Well, not good. They're not going to do it, but... <laughs> I would like wow. to be I would like wow. to be the one that can say I predicted this whenever it happens. If it happens, not whenever. When it if happens. it happens. <laughs> Have some confidence. The last one we're going to do wins. The number is set at four and a half. Brandon, go first before you got to drop off. We're about to lose you. <laughs> uh got yeah. Got a radio appearance coming up. Um I'm at 4 and 4 in an 8 game season, which is under. I'm at five and four over a nine game season, which is over. So take your pick. Um, if that doesn't seem to match up with all of the unders that I took, uh, the unders on interceptions thrown was a good under. Uh, I think Nebraska will be able to force some turnovers hence the interception number. Remember they're going to get lucky on the fumble front. That's good. As long as the run game's okay. I think they can get to five. All well and logical. Aaron, where are you at? Well, I was doing eight games, so in eight games, I would have had to take the under because of four and four. I was going to jokingly say I'll push, um, but uh, four and four, so they'll take the under. I would agree. If it's nine, they'll go five and four. Okay. Jacob? I will also go under on four and a half in an eight-game season. Greg? I am going over on the four and a half in an eight-game season, which actually probably runs counter to how like pessimistic I probably sound about the offense. And I'm still, and a lot of that is so wrapped up in the wide receiver play. I just think that they're going to get better as the season goes along. And I think they come out of the first four, two and two. So I think they go five and three overall. Okay. So I would, before I answer, I would like to pose a different question to the group. What happens if Nebraska starts 0 and 4? What happens around here if Nebraska starts its season 0-4? And not just like 0-4 with like a last-minute loss to Ohio State. They're competitive against Ohio State, a last-minute field goal against Northwestern. What happens if they get blown out against Ohio State and Penn State? Wisconsin runs over them, as has normally been the case, and they lose to Northwestern. What happens around here if that happens? And so you're asking locally, not the national, um, right? Sure. Okay. <laughs> They already, they already wrote that Scott Frost was on the hot seat. Yeah, so that's what I mean. There. A lot of hot seat talks, a lot of jokes about wanting to play to get, oh, uh, to get that destroyed. Be, that um, stuff is dumb. Like, yeah. That would let's be so just, annoying. Let's just, I just focus on yeah. <laughs> here locally. Are you looking at me? I, if they start I thought out Jacob 0, was about to start. Yeah, no, I was trying, I'll, I'll clarify. go ahead. If they start out 0-4, you're going to have a lot of loud, serious, invalid questions about the long-term trajectory of the program. And if Scott Frost can really bring this thing back, there will be a lot of talk of he's Jim Harbaugh, but worse, meaning a guy that came back to his <laughs> alma mater to try and restore. And you'll realize that Harbaugh has been much better than Frost has been to this point. Like, it'll be bad. Like, I, don't, I think that all the talk about, oh, he's going to get five, six years no matter what, kind of talk will be out the window. 0-4 with like at least three blowout losses will be really, really bad. Anybody else have thoughts? It'll be bad, but 14% less bad than it could be uh, because that will people be, that will be people kind of allowing for it given the strange off season and everything that had to go through here. I mean, I think nationally we'll see that more than, than maybe locally. Um, 
but you'll see teams that had disappointing or bad seasons and it'll be written off a little bit because of extreme circumstances uh, for those teams that rise up and have really good years though. It'll be like, Oh, everything was normal. It went exactly <laughs> as, 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 as it right. should have. We pushed through the pain. <laughs> yeah. I think four and a half is a good number. I've got it, but I've got it at under cause I think there'll be four and four, which I think is what most, most of us said. Right. And and then you said five and three. Five and two. Yeah. So yeah, that three, four, five range is pretty much, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if anything else, but that's kind of the range that I think is most likely. And any like even at three and five, I think you could potentially find some silver linings and um, something, some positives take away. You finish with one or two wins, and it's going to get really bad around here. So yeah, I think this season maybe more so than any other. Though the wins aren't going to matter as much as what it actually looks like on Saturdays. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So. Anything else we would like to talk about in this section before we move on? No. Okay. I would like to, to close this out with shout outs or call outs. So this is like something something cool that went on this off season, something cool that went on during fall camp, something cool that you heard that has happened in the realm of Nebraska football that you want to highlight, or something dumb from this off season that you're happy to be moving on from. Um, mine is really simple. I'll start just to kind of set the lay of the land. I think it's really cool that Dedrick Mills has been so comfortable highlighting mental health stuff that he's been going through. I think it's it's helpful to people that are going through the same. I think it's um, incredibly mature of him. I think it's incredibly awesome of him to be willing and vulnerable and put that story out there. And not only put that story out there, but then bring it up on his own accord when he's talking to the media. Um, I thought that was really cool. Uh, there's been a lot of crap that has happened this offseason. There's been a lot of disappointment this offseason, just in the last couple months, there's just been a lot of stuff. Um, I thought it was really cool that that he's being open and honest about stuff that he's gone through because he's not the only one on the Nebraska football team that has felt that way or, or will feel that way. Anybody else would like to shout out something? Go for it, Aaron. Um, I would say, like, with that in, the similar, in a similar vein, I think that this offseason, and this has been um, – because of the pandemic and people spending more time at home and um, in light of um, the death of George Floyd and um, just a bigger focus being put on the Black Lives Matter movement, I've seen more athletes feeling empowered to speak up and to use their voices and they're using their voices on uh, things like Diedrich Mills talking about his mental health or um a number of athletes who have posted on their own social channels about, you know, their, their feelings on social justice issues. Um, we've seen more players speak up about uh, name image likeness, which these are all varying different, like all over the spectrum of things that matter in their lives and are important to them. But I think I've, I've really enjoyed seeing um, the power being brought to the athletes' voices, and I imagine that it's only going to get more significant, and they're going to feel more um, empowered to keep sharing um, their their voices and what matters. So that's something for me that has been really cool this off season is just to see a number of young athletes finding their voices. So it it's. Like I said, it's it, I'm not doing that justice to in how I'm speaking about it, but it has been really, really neat to see. 
Either of you guys have one? I do. Or um, piggyback off of what Aaron said? I, I, I have something, and I want to piggyback off of what Aaron said. I think that uh, one that she didn't call out specifically, this is not to call her out, is this, the, the Camp Taylor Britt um, saying, uh, imploring people to go and vote, um, I thought was important. I think that we also had um, talk about that, which is something I don't remember seeing from college athletes either. Um, no. and, just, and for the record, I was going to say that. I feel like he got a little bit put on the hot spot in that one, but yeah. I agree with you. I think he feels very strongly about it based on what he has posted. So you're right. That's a fair, that is a fair call out. He should be included in that. <laughs> yeah, but that was but not in a call out that I was actually calling you out. Sorry. So, um, but the one I wanted it's to fine. actually, it's fine. It's fine. The you one that, call out the fact that he was the only person asked about that topic. We could spend some a significant amount of time doing that. I will not. Um, but um, the one that I actually wanted to call out was Ronald Tompkins. Um, I, I think that even if he like, we know right now as Held named him running back to that he's going to get on the field against Ohio State. It would be stunning if he doesn't. Um, it will be a great moment um, when he gets out there to get on the field and takes his first snap. Um, it's a tremendous story for him to get to this point um, after tearing his left ACL his um, junior year of high school, coming back from that, tearing his right ACL um, on ESPN in a national game um, against a bit, another big-time high school program um, during his or at the beginning of his senior year, to then having the Nebraska coaching staff calling him right after that game to tell him that his scholarship was good and that he didn't have anything to worry about, and that kind of solidifying the relationship with Nebraska to the point to where when Ohio State and Alabama came in on him later in the cycle, he said thanks but no thanks. Um, and then for him to then have a setback when he got to Nebraska because something wasn't done right in the cleanup of his knee, to then battle back from all of that to now being vaulted up to running back two in a year in which they brought in a couple of running backs and had another one in his class, um, in addition to Dedrick Mills, who's also in that class, like is a really tremendous story. And it speaks a lot to his character and kind of what he's all about to even get to this point. Um, so I thought that was one of the feel-good stories of kind of the this entire thing that has happened with all of the craziness of 2020. And it wasn't like the two freshman running backs that they brought in were like long-term project guys or raw guys that they needed to do a bunch of stuff with before they could get on the field. Like Marvin Scott was like ready-made to play Big Ten football right Right, away. right. Like it's not – yeah, it was. It, it, that's a great story Yeah, for Ronald. And Ronald Tompkins is the first thing I wrote down when I was thinking about this question, but I had a feeling Greg would probably go that direction. So I also wrote down um, kind of the rise of Luke Reimer. And he's got a really remarkable story. If you think back that Mike Sauter did a great job of um, for the Omaha world Herald kind of breaking down how he got here to Lincoln. Um, just search uh, Luke Reimer pickup in Google and you'll get that link for that story. Um, I encourage you to read it, but this is a, a guy that's 17 years old, got in a pickup truck and drove from Ashland, Kansas up to Lincoln to move in with his, uh, with his sister Um just to kind of give himself a chance at a uh, better life and um, everything there. And uh, so to go from that to have, to having that decision pay off to where first he got the scholarship uh, offered to South Dakota state and was committed there. And then Nebraska came in with the walk-on opportunity and he decided to take advantage of that decommitted from South Dakota state. And now he was here on campus, one of just what three, four um, freshmen that uh, played enough to burn their red shirt. And now in year two, not only has he earned his way onto scholarship, he's the third name that the coaches have mentioned at that inside linebacker spot. 
ahead of guys like Nick Henrich and Ateva Malgo Clements that they brought in this offseason and Garrett Snodgrass and some of these guys. They've got some guys. They've got some good players at that inside linebacker spot. And it sounds like he's going to be that next, that first guy off the bench at that spot behind the two seniors. So it's just been a really remarkable story for Luke Reimer. And um, he's a very good player. He's really athletic. He's got a chance to have a bright future here in Nebraska. And he's uh, kind of, I, I expected him to be a scholarship player eventually and get in the mix. I didn't think it would happen this quickly in year two. Neither and. did Barrett Root. <laughs> right. It, it is. You just don't really see that all that often where it happens that quickly for someone to place on scholarship, especially when it's not like they didn't have other guys at the position um, that are also on scholarship. I appreciate that nobody went the negative route. Everybody went the positive route. Well, Greg, Greg did call out Aaron, so we got one call out. Man. I will call okay, out. How about this? How about this? <laughs> the one thing I will be glad is done is I will be glad to stop talking about who did and did not save this Big Ten season. Oh, that's like, once one. it gets rolling, let's just let's just be done with it. Although I have a feeling it will continue. It's just I'm ready to just move on. I'm I, ready to just be on to the next. <laughs> same with the Nebraska Ohio State buddy buddy thing. Let's just get past uh, that's that this a, week. What time is kickoff? That's going to be <laughs> yes, out at exactly. 11.02. Yeah. So. That honeymoon phase ends yeah. at 11 a.m. Central on Saturday. That honeymoon is done. Yeah, real fast. <laughs> I will be excited to not have to talk about the schedule anymore. We're here. Oh, we're going to keep we've talking about it, if, especially if they struggle. No, no if it goes if get off to an 0-4 star, we're going to gonna be talking about how tough the schedule was and – uh, no, if it, if they start it, out three and one, it's going to be talked about even more. They they went through the fire, they figured yeah. it out. Frost yeah. has brought them back. The resurgence, like that, it's going to be worse. It's not going anywhere. I hate it. I hate it. Either way, it's going to be tough. You're in about. a tough conference. You wanted to be in a tough conference. You don't get to complain about the schedule. I hate it. Regardless of of who gets stacked in front of you, I hate it. Just play who's on the schedule. Anything else? Anything else that we didn't hit on that you guys would like to talk about as it relates to season predictions, season preview stuff, Ohio State week preview stuff? I think we pretty well covered everything. We covered everything that I wanted to get to. All right, let's go through the three deep at every spot (laughs) on offense, defense, and special teams. Go. Aaron, plug your podcast. I'll plug my podcast and I'll plug Brandon's. Yeah, you get to plug Brandon's new podcast. So I'll start with Brandon's. It's the newest podcast to our lineup. It is the I-80 preview podcast. It's just about an hour, so the drive it would take you to get from Omaha to Lincoln. Oh, look at that. Amazing. Um, but no, seriously, if, you, if you're somebody who wants all the game day, all the game day previews, the math, the analysis, all of it, Brandon Vogel has you covered. That is available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get, wherever you get your podcasts. And a bonus, Rusty Dawkins with Husker Weather has a little weather segment in there, and he's also doing stuff for uh, Hill Varsity this season. Um, it's a great podcast. I really recommend it. And then Sasha, who is producing this episode, um, she just gets to spend all the time with us. Her and I host the Mind Your Own podcast, which sticks to sports except when we don't feel like sticking to sports and this most recent episode is about showing yourself some grace especially over the last several months when everything is uh more chaotic than ever so again i80 preview podcast that is brand new and then the mind your own podcast listen to them when does brandon's come out yes good question Brandon's is out every Thursday morning, so you'll have plenty of time right. leading up to game day to uh, get get your information. And yours, Aaron, comes out on 
Tuesdays. And Greg's comes out on Tuesday. Wait, wait, no, mine comes out on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Greg's is on Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know anymore. We have so many. <laughs> oh, man. Also, what is time? It's I, just yeah, it is. It's I was getting flat. that. We have one every day of the week and then two on Fridays. Greg, we're going to go to you and then we're going to go to Jacob. The Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with myself and former Husker Jay Foreman um, airs on Tuesdays. Um, <laughs> Sasha also produces that one. We're going to keep shouting her out um, because, and this is important, we have a goal that we've never told Sasha, that if we make Sasha laugh in here, um, then we've had a good, successful podcast. We have done that every time, we notice. <laughs> um, and So it's a lot of fun. We have a good time kind of talking about everything. This week we talked kind of – it was a – breakdown of, of the Nebraska football season and a preview of what's to come. And we also have a lot of fun putting people on blast. Shout out to Dan Mullen this week. You do want to hear that. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> dumb. So dumb. <laughs> Jacob. Yes, Derek. Uh, you can listen to the Nebraska preps post game show covering uh, the weekend high school football with uh, former Husker Damon Benning and myself every Friday. Right, we go live around 10 o'clock. You can watch us, uh, watch the stream on Facebook and uh, wherever else we have that. And then you can also listen to it in audio form as a podcast later on. So we're getting into the playoffs now, um, and things are starting to heat up here. Class A and Class B playoffs in particular should be really fun. Um, so looking forward to continuing to follow all the action. And also, may or may not have something else in the works for later on, maybe next month or so. We'll get back to you on that. Look at that. Hey, Derek, before you promote your podcast, the most important, I want to set you up for this. (laughs) I want to tell people a little secret. If you want to say, be the first to listen to the Varsity Club podcast before we really start promoting it, you should subscribe. And I'll tell you why. All of these shows go to subscribers. It'll be with you first thing in the morning when you wake up. Don't wait for us to tweet about it. Just go subscribe right now. Because you're going to want to listen to this. Tell us about the best podcast ever, Derek. I mean, people are already listening to our podcast. I don't really have to plug it on here. <laughs> They're already listening to it. Plug your podcast. This is the OG podcast, as Greg says. That's right. That's about it. Everybody else has cool, fancy guests, and, and I just have to kind of make <laughs> wait, it up as I go. Well, wait a second. Wait, wait Did a you not have We're not cool, cool, fancy guests? Yeah, yeah, seriously. No, no. I have hey. Sasha, and I have Pat on occasion. They're, wow. they're cool and then, fancy. And then, you, cool fancy. and then you yahoos. I just would like you guys to know that I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm done with this moving forward. We have too many podcasts now. <laughs> I'm not going to plug every single one of them at the end of my – it's going to be an extra 10 minutes at the end of all my podcast episodes. I plug so we, all of we yours got at through, the end of mine. Okay, well, what, you, don't, okay, you don't have to do that anymore. Oh, cool. Cool. Hey, we're just going to have to start working our own plugs into our answers to the I questions think, he asked us. I think, <laughs> what, I think what we say moving forward, because now like what I was getting at is we've got one every single day, So, except for Mondays. Greg's nope. on? Greg's Do we on? have one on Monday? You have Monday, Jay Moore. Oh, Jay Moore. Jay Moore. Oh, Jay Moore. <laughs> Jay Moore. <laughs> Dad Yahoo. Yeah, Jay Moore. So we got one every single day, so I'm done plugging them. So Jay Moore's on Monday. You can listen to Greg on Tuesday. You can listen to Aaron Sasha on Wednesday. You can listen to Brandon and... Um, Rusty Dawkins on Rusty on Thursday. You can listen to Jacob and Damon Benning and then myself on Friday. From now on, I'm just going to say, listen to the, what is it? The Hale Varsity Podcast Network. Hale Varsity Network. All the offerings. We got everything. Yep. And you can find them all right now at HaleVarsity.com. If you just go up to the fancy tab at the top that says more, there's a network tab and you can just listen to all the shows right there, but you should just subscribe while you're at it. Yep. Subscribe, leave a five-star review. 
and uh yeah podcasts video stuff on youtube stories on hailvarsity.com it's football season so we've got content basically around the clock now so just bookmark hail varsity as jacob likes to say um keep reading keep listening we appreciate you guys and uh let's have a kick-ass football season cool thanks everyone hell yeah